Hi everyone, welcome to the Horse.com's Ask the Vet Live. I'm your host, Michelle Anderson, digital editor of the Horse.com. Tonight's topic is equine deworming update. It is brought to you by our sponsor, Zoetis, and we are joined by our experts, Dr. Ray Kaplan and Dr. Nathan Voris. Welcome, doctors. Thank you. Thank you. So let's start with you, Dr. Kaplan. Can you tell us a little bit about your interest in parasites and deworming horses? Well, I uh, started with an interest in parasites in general and livestock in general uh, and became more interested in, in horse parasites really as a, as a function of being interested in drug resistance and parasites. And we did some studies early on and found that we had, there was actually a lot of drug resistance in, in parasites in horses, and, and that pretty much led me to do more and more work uh, with horse parasites, and, and, and which led to just more and more over the years. Um, and you're with the University of Georgia. You're a professor and researcher there? Yes. So um, I teach and do research at the University of Georgia, and, and the focus of my research is on the... Um, uh, control of parasites of, of livestock uh, with particular interest in understanding drug resistance uh, and the biology of drug resistance and, and how to solve the problems of drug resistance in parasites. Okay. And Dr. Voris is a senior vet with Zoetis' equine technical services team. Can you tell us a little bit about your involvement with deworming horses? Well, sure. Thanks for the thanks for the invitation. Um, my involvement mainly stemmed from ten years in private practice uh, and taking care of horses and and really trying to do my best to help horse owners prevent uh, diseases in general. But um, you know, with regard to parasites, diseases caused by by parasites and and helping them work through the complexities of uh, today's kind of deworming paradigm. And so everyone who's listening, uh, I'm sure you guys have a ton of questions. We've received some great questions before the event. Um, but if you're listening, you can submit questions as we go along into your console. If you type them in, they'll come to us. Um, our news editor, Erica Larson, is reading those and sending those to me as we go along. Um, but we only have an hour, so we're going to try to get to as many as possible. And so now we have all the official stuff out of the way. I have to say I'm so glad we're doing this topic because as a horse owner, I've been so confused <laughs> about how to deworm my horse properly. It seems like there have been so many changes in even just the last few years. Um, so, Dr. Kaplan, I want to start with you. Can you tell us a little bit about your involvement in these new guidelines that the American Association of Equine Practitioners has recently uh, released? Yeah, so it, it's become, a, um, a, most veterinarians have become aware in recent years that there's been a, a change in recommendations, uh, and, and also, of course, many horse owners, as the ones uh, participating tonight, are aware that there's been many changes in, in some of the recommendations being made on parasite control on horses. Uh, it's kind of important to appreciate the fact that the, the recommendations that, that, that people follow, this rotational program that's very common where horses are dewormed every two months or so, that was originally um, uh, developed uh, more than 40 years ago, uh, going on for 45 years ago. Uh, and it was really designed to control the bloodworms of horses, uh, Strondus vulgaris, which has, over the years has become a very, very rare parasite. We hardly ever see it anymore. 
uh, and it, 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 it's even rarer that it even causes disease. Um, so, so it's practically extinct in terms of causing disease in, par- in, in horses, whereas the small strongyles are now by far the, the most common and most important. Uh, but those recommendations to treat every couple months, they weren't designed for controlling small strongyles. They were, they were designed for controlling the large strongyles, the bloodworms. Um, so, so there's so there's a big problem right there, just in in that um, um, difference between the, the two different parasites. Uh, so that's one of the big things. Um, and the other thing is that we have a lot of drug resistance now that's evolved over the years uh, due to frequent deworming. So we have we've had a shift in the parasites of importance, uh, and we've had a lot of drug resistance. And so the recommendations that 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 for a long time made sense no longer make it no longer make sense, uh, and so there was need for a change. So with that with that in mind, the AAEP uh, put together uh, a parasitology subcommittee to develop uh, new guidelines for parasite control in horses, uh, and I was a member of that subcommittee. It was a group of veterinarians um, from practice and from academia, and also uh, uh, parasitologists like myself, um, and we put together uh, our ideas and developed a document, which then was uh, submitted to the executive board of the AAEP uh, for, for approval. And, and, it, and so it went through that process, and what we, what we wound up with is a document that goes through all the major issues of parasites in horses uh, and, and, and the recommendations for how to approach uh, the treatment and control of those parasites. And so I remember being a tiny little girl, and I'm dating myself a little bit, but not too much, um, before we had paste dewormers as a readily available option, taking little samples from my pony into the vet with my mom and dropping them off, and if my horse needed to be dewormed or my pony needed to be dewormed, the vet would come out and tube the pony. And so now I'm collecting these little samples again. So Dr. Voris, um, we have a question from Annette in... Canada, and she's wondering about this process of taking a sample to our vets and having a fecal test done. Um, can you tell us a little bit about whether or not that should be done and if that's helpful in deworming our horses? Yeah, absolutely, and I appreciate Annette's question. Um, the, the, the answer is yes. The short answer is yes. Um, the longer answer is how often and, and so forth. But I think for every horse, if we could get a fecal egg count on every horse at least once a year, that's kind of a good guideline. Um, over the horse's life uh, and over serial fecal egg counts, you're going to see a pattern form. And as long as that horse maintains the same level of health, um, a horse that is a low shedder tends to continue to be a low shedder throughout its life, and a horse that's a high shedder tends to be a high shedder throughout its life. And by identifying those high shedding horses, you're able to effectively, uh, more effectively, put together an, a deworming program or a parasite control program that fits that individual horse and doesn't, you know, potentially overexpose the horse to. Um, the medications uh, if when it's not necessary. And the importance of, of doing those annual exams, though, is to make sure that, you know, you get on auto- autopilot and you're saying, okay, this horse is a low shedder, low shedder, low shedder, and then some kind of, you know, subclinical condition occurs or he gets sick and nobody really knew it, um, colics overnight and gets over it by the next morning. 
some stressful event occurs or some change in the horse's health occurs and changes their status. And we definitely don't want to miss that from year to year. So definitely a, a, at least one deworming or one um, fecal egg count per year uh, will give us quite a bit of information to help kind of set our sales in the right direction for parasite control. And Dr. Kaplan, Cecilia in Western Virginia would like to know which parasite species are identified or counted in the fecal egg counts. Um, well, it really kind of depends on, on who's doing the count and, and the type of procedure that you're doing. If we're just doing a typical fecal egg count, per se, using a technique like the McMaster, which is a very, very common method, um, we're mostly going to only be looking at the strongyle eggs. So we can't, we can't differentiate the large strongyles from the small strongyles. All the eggs look the same, although we know from research studies uh, over many years that that well over 99% of all the eggs we see are from the small strongyles. So when we, so when we report an egg count, it's essentially all the eggs we see are the small strongyles. With that said, there are other parasites that you can see eggs in the feces less commonly, um, uh, like tapeworm eggs, uh, but, but they're, they often will not be shed. In, you, you often will not see them um, in the fecal when you do them, even if the animal, even if the horse is infected with tapeworms often you won't see the eggs when you do your fecal. Uh, in young horses, uh, roundworms uh, are very commonly seen in, in fecal exams. Um, and then, of course, there are some other less common parasites, which occasionally uh, you will see the eggs. But the, the eggs of all different parasites look different. So if the person doing the fecal egg count um, you know, is, is well qualified, that they'll be able to identify uh, the different parasite species that are present. And we've had a question come in from our live audience, uh, Dr. Kaplan. Jamie in Pennsylvania wants to know, what is considered a high egg count, and when should a horse be dewormed based on that information? The, uh, the, the cutoffs that we're using now um, are essentially, for this is for mature horses only. These, these values are only, are only relevant for mature horses. But uh, 500 eggs per gram or higher would be considered a high egg count. Uh, approximately 200 to 500 would be a moderate egg count. Less than 200 would be a low egg count. Those are general categories. Okay. And Dr. Kaplan, we have another question um, for you from uh, Sharon in Pennsylvania. And she asked or says that she's heard many different ideas on deworming and she just doesn't know which way to go. Is this a time... Is this something that should be done every three months, four months? Should she get the fecal egg counts done? Should she count the eggs herself? What is the realistic answer for the horse owner? Yeah, this is a really good question in, in that it brings out some really important issues. And uh, too, too often, uh, the horse world has kind of fallen into this pattern of thinking that, that, de that a deworming program is, is the goal or, or this, is, this, is, uh, this is what they should be doing. When we really think about what the purpose of deworming a horse is, it's, it's, to, it's to control parasites. And there's a lot of different ways to control parasites without using drugs. The management of the horses, particularly of the pastures, is very, very important. Also, 
if the horse needs to be treated or not. If it has no eggs, if you're not seeing any parasite eggs in the feces, then the horse is infected with very low levels of parasites. It doesn't need to be treated. So it doesn't matter if it's two months, three months, four months. If, it's, if there's no eggs there and few parasites, it doesn't need to be treated. Also, if you're using a drug that doesn't work, it doesn't matter how, off you're using, how often you're using it, you're not going to get an effect that you desire. So when, even if you're treating every two months, if you're using drugs that aren't working, it's not giving you the, the result. So, so, there, so, so it's not just that something you want to put up on the wall saying you're going to deworm every two months, three months, four months. There's no right answer for that um, because there's so many factors. And, and that's why uh, it's really important to, to involve uh, veterinarians with, with, uh, with parasite control. And people, for, for so long, we, we, we fell into these patterns thinking that, that parasites are, are solved. No, we don't have any problems with parasites as long as we deworm every two months. But in fact, uh, every case I've seen of very severe parasitic disease in horses, which in several cases led to horses dying, were in farms that dewormed very frequently. Unfortunately, the drugs that they were deworming with very frequently were not working. Um, because of drug resistance. And so, so it's not necessarily the frequency of deworming, but the overall program that's, that is important. And, and so grazing management becomes critical. If a horse's pasture looks like a golf course, it, then, that, then the horse is going to be ingesting a lot of parasites. Uh, if the grass is nice and tall and, and green and, there, and there's a low stocking density and there's plenty, plenty out there, then... Um, uh, then they're going to be ingesting much fewer parasites. And ultimately, it's important to reduce the number of parasites ingested. Treating the horse after the horse is already highly infected with parasites is not going to give you the benefits you want. What you want to do is actually prevent the horse from getting infected with lots of parasites in the first place. And so the pasture management becomes critical, making sure that you're minimizing the amount of fecal contamination, making sure there's enough grass and nutrition available for the horses. So this is where things become complicated, and this is why it does uh, it really needs to involve uh, uh, veterinary advisement. Okay. So that time spent picking paddocks and pastures is, is well worth it then, Dr. Ab- Kaplan. Yeah, absolutely. Studies have shown that, that uh, horses where feces are picked up uh, on, a, on a routine basis actually uh, have less parasites than horses that are dewormed every couple of months. Dr. Voris, we have a question that came in from Lisa, and she's in Illinois, and she said that her boarding barn owners believe that horses are resistant to dewormers. And so the barn completes fecal tests twice a year, to make sure that no horses have any worms. She wants to know if this is a safe practice. She said she's always dewormed her horse every eight weeks and never had a problem with her horse, and she just wants to make sure that the fecal test two times a year is safe. Yeah, and I appreciate that question from Lisa. Um, One, yes, the test is very safe because it's, you know, pretty non-invasive test. You know, you pick up a few samples out of the stall in the morning and take them into the veterinarian, and, and you have an answer. Um, one of the things, uh, one of the parts of that question that I'm intrigued by is that um, the treatment every eight weeks and never have a problem, um, and especially if the fecal counts are suggesting that the horse is a low shedder, then it's probably a pretty good indication that that horse doesn't need to be treated every eight weeks and that we could back off, you know, from that. Um, I applaud the the barn management and the the veterinarians for being on top of um, the surveillance 
in that boarding barn because you know some of our boarding barns can have a lot of traffic and a lot of shared paddock space and um, uh, you know not a lot of room for the horses to go out so cross contamination between horses and cross infection between horses can be uh, pretty strong so uh, definitely a good job at that boarding barn. And Dr. Voris, you get out and you talk to a lot of horse owners. Do you find that they feel nervous about not doing enough for their animals? You know, it's it's funny. Um, I do. I really enjoy getting to talk to people all over the country about this topic. And um, the interest level is very high. And I really wish we had a couple hours uh, for this topic because I'm sure that we could fill it with questions and answers. Uh, people really are concerned about doing the right thing. They want to do the best thing for their horse, and when um, recommendations start to change, then people start to question, you know, well, if it ain't broke, why are we trying to fix it? Well, I think we're trying to to let everybody know is that the current system is broke, and while we're not seeing diseases yet, um, if we continue on the way we're going, we're going to see some diseases we haven't seen in a long time since you know, the time of tubing horses. So I just really think that there is a concern. People want to do the right thing. And um, I'm really glad that the Horse Magazine is is, is putting this on. And, you know, Dr. Voris, you mentioned that this is a topic that people are really interested in, and it's obvious because we're getting a ton of questions from uh, everyone out in the live audience. And I want to kind of go through a couple of these that Erica has sent to me. Um, Dr. Kaplan, Lynn in Kentucky said that she's heard that management practices like cleaning paddocks regularly and composting manure can help um, reduce exposure to worms. But she wants to know if there are any other practices she should use to keep worms at bay in her management. Well, composting is a great thing to do because uh, the, the high temperatures that develop during the composting period um, are lethal to all the parasite eggs. So, so you could then, um, uh, then, that, then that manure becomes an excellent fertilizer without having any parasites uh, associated with it. Um, as, far as, as far as the management, of course, picking up the feces on pasture um, it can, is very helpful because the, um, the eggs are in the feces. The eggs then hatch. The larvae develop, the parasite larvae develop in the manure. They develop through three stages, to, and once they get to the third stage, then as the feces break apart, from just from, from rain, from, the, from birds, from, from insects, and so forth, as, the, as those manure piles break up, then the larvae are washed out with moisture onto onto the grass, and then they the horse eats them. So, so the larvae don't have legs. They, all they can do is wiggle back and forth. They don't travel very far, so they can't get very far from the fecal piles. So, picking up the fecal piles before they can get out is one way to totally prevent them from from getting out. It takes about, uh, depending upon how warm it is, at least four days for them to develop uh, to that third stage. Uh, and up to two weeks in cooler times of the year. Uh, so twice a week pickup, even in the warm times of the year, is, is, is plenty often to, to pretty much eliminate those larvae from getting off the pasture. The other thing is horses segregate their pastures. Horses don't like to eat and poop in the same place. It's referred to the zone of repugnance, the, the zone around the feces that the horses will not graze around. And horses will actually segregate their, their pastures into areas where they where they defecate, which are the roughs, and the areas where where they graze the lawns. 
But if you have too many animals on the pasture, hunger will over will overwhelm the repugnance and they'll graze closer and closer to the feces to, to get the good grass. And so overgrazing a pasture is, is the worst thing you could possibly do for for um, for parasites because the horses are going to graze closer and closer to the feces and, and ingest more and more of the parasite larvae. So keeping keeping mindful of of the amount of area you have, the grass, the fecal contamination, the height of the grass, because the, also the parasite larvae, as I said, they can't, they can't, they don't have legs, they can't go away from the feces, but they also can't go very high up the grass either. Um, 90% of all the parasite larvae are in the bottom four inches of the grass. And so if the grass is taller and the horses, uh, then every bite of grass the horses ingest is going to have much less parasites than if the grass is very short. If the grass is two inches tall, it's like a golf course, every bite of grass that they take is going to have a lot of parasites. And Dr. Kaplan, I've heard um, conflicting advice on the benefits of dragging pastures or using a manure spreader. Do you have any thoughts on if that's good or bad for helping control parasites? Um, it, again, it's, it's one of these answers where it depends. Um, if you drag a pasture when it's cool and, and wet, then essentially what you're doing is just you're spreading the parasites that are locked in the feces all over the pasture where the horses can ingest them. So it's be a really bad thing to do in a cooler weather time of the year when the horses are grazing. Um, but if you did it uh, in a hot, dry time, like in the middle of the summer, and, and you left the pasture ungrazed for about four weeks after you did that, then what you would do is you would be breaking up the feces, exposing the larvae to the, to the hot, dry heat, killing them, uh, and then when the horses came back on, then, the, then you would get the benefit of, 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 uh, of the harrowing, of spreading around the feces, breaking off the feces without the spread of, of the parasite. So it depends on when you do it, but you have to be, should be aware that, that, if, that if you do it at a time of the year where, where it's cool and damp, and, 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 and when I say cool, I mean anything between hot and, and freezing cold. Uh, it, you know, that's what, that's what the parasites like best. Um, and uh, if you don't have to wear a parka and you're not sweating, you know, th you know that's, that's, the wet, that's the temperature the parasites like the best. And, and, and under those conditions, you would not want to spread those, those parasite larvae all around. Um, if you're spreading manure that's been composted, that's the optimal thing to do. Yeah, so if you're going to pick it up and compost it, then spread it. That would, that's, that would get, then you get the benefit of spreading the manure for fertilizer and so forth without worrying about spreading parasites. Okay, so if you feel comfortable with the weather, the worms probably feel comfortable with it as well then. Yes. Okay. Um, we have a question that is from our live audience for you, Dr. Voris. It's a follow-up to our discussion on the fecal egg counts. And Alice in Oregon wants to know if there's a certain time of year that's best for doing the fecal egg count. Do you have any Alice, recommendations? Yep, that's a great question, Alice. Um, my recommendation on that is when it's time to mow the grass <laughs> and regularly mow the grass, the eggs are being shed. So if uh, in the springtime, you know, you start the lawnmower up, the, the eggs are, are being shed by the horses at that, at that point, you know, all the way through um, the fall grazing season as well. Those are generally the best times whenever grass is growing the fastest. 
Okay. And we have another question from a live audience for you, Dr. Kaplan. Laura in Georgia wants to know if a higher than usual egg count reflects more adult worms in the horse, or are those adult worms just laying more eggs? That's a really good question. Um, maybe it must be a U University of Georgia graduate <laughs> asking that question. <laughs> or Missouri. <laughs> um, Actually, we, we really don't know the answer to that question. Um, we, in general, there's a general correlation that's been shown um, that when you have um, more than 500 eggs per gram, that you have a, a significantly higher worm burden. Um, it, oh, but this is across, you know, many horses. But any single horse, um, it is possible that the, the worms in that horse simply are just producing a lot more eggs. Um, so... Um, so, so we really don't know the answer to that question, uh, and it's really it's, it's it's a very difficult answer to question to answer. Um, you know, without you, you basically you would have to um, follow horses through slaughter um, and and count all the worms and, and compare it to the eggs. So it's not very easy to do. So we don't we really don't know. But but one thing that's an important point I think that that comes in here is that it doesn't really matter that much. Uh, because if you lined up 10 horses with, with, with different levels of egg counts, you would not be able to tell which are the low egg shedders and which are the high egg shedders. We don't really see, because the, because the eggs are being produced by the small strongyles, which, which really cause very little disease in horses until they reach extremely high levels. So at low to moderate levels, which is going to be what we're going to have in all good, healthy horses, you really, can't, you really can't tell which are the high shedders and low shedders. So when we're treating a horse... Even with, even, with a high, um, even with a high egg shedder, we're not really so concerned that that horse is going to get diseased if we don't treat it. The big issue is that that high egg shedder is shedding lots and lots of eggs onto the pasture, which means that there's more and more parasite larvae there to be ingested by the horse. And if the more parasites the horse ingests, the greater their risk of eventually getting parasitic disease. So, so treating horses, a lot of the reason why we treat horses is not so much to, to get rid of the worms that are there, although we want to do that. It's to prevent lots of eggs from getting onto the pasture that they're going to then provide future infections to those horses. So that's why it's really important to treat those high egg shedders and keep, keep those parasite loads on the pasture down. Thank you, Dr. Kaplan. We have another live question for you, Dr. Boris. This is from Gina in Florida. And Gina wants to know if deworming programs should be different for draft horses versus light breeds or ponies. Other than the um, dose <laughs> matching the, the weight difference, no. That uh, the ponies and the drafts uh, should be managed according to, you know, their status as a high shedder or a low shedder. And do you have any recommendations for getting a, an accurate weight on a horse? I know a lot of us will, will think, oh, our horse weighs 1,200 pounds or our horse weighs 900 pounds. But sometimes when we actually weigh them, we, our guess isn't <laughs> right on. I'm yes. talking from experience on that. So do you have any Absolutely. recommendations for that? You know, one of the common, most common and really easiest is to get a weight tape. But, you know, there's some variability there. And uh, for those of you that would like to have maybe a little bit more accurate way of, of uh, estimating the horse's weight. Um, I think the horse has a calculator on their website that I used to love. I hope it's still there. 
uh, when I was in practice, and I would point um, clients to it that uh, you basically take measurements, uh, the length of the horse and the circumference of the girth and and uh, maybe one more, the, the height of the horse, and plug this into the calculator, and it gives you a much more accurate weight than just measuring the girth cir- circumference with a weight tape. Okay. So highly recommend that. Okay, thanks. Um, I have a question for um, Dr. Kaplan, and I have to find here. I All these questions are coming in like crazy, but Dr. Kaplan, it's a live question asking about if having multiple species on the same pasture and whether or not every species on that pasture needs their own deworming program. Um, yeah, that's, that's, uh, that's, that's a great question. And, and it's, it's another way to control parasites through management. Um, each, each different species of animal has different parasites. So if you have, uh, you know, horses versus sheep versus cattle, each one of those species of, uh, has really their own, um, defined, uh, uh, fauna of parasites. And so horses can ingest cattle parasites or sheep parasites without any harm coming to them at all. And, and the cattle and sheep can ingest the horse parasites with, with no harm because the parasites are really specific to which host that they affect. So um, by mixing animals on the same pasture, then you're really having the other, an- the other animals be sort of vacuum cleaners to help clean up, clean up the larvae that are there so there's less parasites for any one horse, so any any one animal such as such as the horse. So, so that's that is a really good way to control parasites. But because each of those different species has different parasites, you have to have a different program for for, for all the different species because the, the parasites have different levels of importance, different life cycles, um, different uh, drug sensitivities, and so. And so the drugs that you use for a horse and the timing for horse treatment isn't going to be the same thing you're going to use for a sheep or a cow. Okay. And that question came to us from Elizabeth in Illinois. So thanks, Elizabeth, for that question. That was a good one. Um, Okay. I have my next question for Dr. Kaplan, and that's from Karma Lee. And she said... She's in North Carolina, and she says that she boards her 15-year-old mare at a small barn, and the owners and of the other four horses there don't want to do fecal tests. Um, so this is the opposite of the question that we gave Dr. Boris not very long ago. Um, she said, is it worth it for her to have a fecal test done on her horse and rather than following the rotational plan that the other horses are on? This is a, a really good question as well because... Um, this is, it's a difficult question to, to give a precise answer on. The, as I mentioned just in a previous response, one of the important issues is not so much the, the egg count of any given horse, but how many parasites they're being exposed to. If the other horses aren't having fecals done and they're shedding lots of parasites, then, uh, then her horse can be exposed to a lot of parasites. Um, and they say they're following the other horses on a rotational plan. Again, we know there's a lot of drug resistance. Depending upon which drugs they're using in that rotation, there could be long periods of the year where, the, where those horses are not getting effectively treated. And if some of those horses are high shedders, then her mare, her 15-year-old male, could be exposed to very high levels of parasites. Um, and even if her egg count is, is, is staying low, if something happened to, our, to the health of our horse, some stress, some concurrent disease, 
all of a sudden her immunity to the, those parasites may be depressed and with that heavy exposure we could get disease. So, um, so she would need to do something if, uh, if, if the other horses are not uh, um, uh, being um, uh, and egg counts done, she would have to be careful. The one thing I could say though, if she tested the drug's efficacy in her horse, at least she would have an idea of how good the drugs were working in those other horses. Um, and, and so if, they, if she uses, if she tests those drugs that they're using in a rotational plan and she sees that it doesn't affect the, the egg counts in, in her horse very much, then she knows the other horses are not being effectively treated and she would have to do something more to protect her horse. So how can a horse owner know that a deworming product didn't work on their horse after they've done the, the fecal egg ta- count, treated the horse? Uh, what is the next step? So what you, what you have to do is you have to do an egg count before you treat the horse and an egg count after you treat the horse. And then you calculate the percent reduction in the egg count from before till after. Um, of course, there's variability. And so with only one horse, um, it's only an estimate. And the more horses you test, the more accurate the measurement will be. Um, but what you want to see is, a, is at least a 90% reduction. Uh, really even better than that, but at least 90%. Um, if you see between 80 and 90%, then that would suggest that there might be some drug resistance there. If it's less than 80%, or certainly if it's much less than 80% reduction, that would be strong evidence that uh, that there is drug resistance, assuming that the drug product used was, was of good quality, it was stored properly, uh, it was administered properly, and so forth. Okay. Um, Dr. Boris, our next question is for you, and we got several questions that were really similar to this. This one's from DK in Maryland, and DK wants to know, when using a paste dewormer on a horse, when is the most effective time to do that? Is it when the horse has an empty stomach, before it's eaten, after it's eaten, different time of the day? Do you have any recommendations, or does it matter? Well, that's a great question, and I I really appreciate it. Um, I think my answer to this is going to kind of vary off uh, the path that DK was looking, but I, I agree. I think probably the best time is before the horse eats, but it's not because the drug is more efficacious on an empty stomach. It's that the horse is less likely to have a wad of feed or hay in their mouth at that point, and it's more likely that the horse is going to get the entire dose. Um, so that's, you know, my my personal thoughts on on the this question, um, none of the drugs, none of the dewormers that are on the market right now have an instruction, you know, to be administered on an empty stomach. Therefore, you know, we should pretty much assume that it's safe, you know, either and and effective to be given either on a full or empty stomach and have equal efficacy. It's just a matter of making sure that they take the whole dose. Okay. And sometimes that can be a bit tricky, but... (laughs) That is, that is, and I will fully agree with that. (laughs) Do you have any suggestions for uh, owners out there when they are deworming their horses, if they have someone, uh, one that may be a little reluctant uh, to taking their paste? Yeah, I think, you know, the biggest thing is just taking your time and being patient because it seems that, you know, the more frustrated the horse gets with you trying to shove something in in their mouth, um, the more frustrated the person gets too, and it just kind of spirals out of control so if you start having problems don't be afraid to ask someone to help you that's that's the first thing and 
and don't be afraid to ask your veterinarian to administer it. Um, they're, you know, you don't have to tackle this all by yourself. Uh, I know a lot of people like to, you know, be that primary caretaker for their their horse, you know, their member of their family, but don't be afraid to ask for an extra set of hands because sometimes, um, you know, having a little bit firmer grip on a lead rope uh, can help get things done or calm things down quite a bit. Okay. We have a question that's come in from our live audience, Dr. Kaplan. It's from Lisa in Massachusetts. And Lisa wants, well, Lisa has a situation. She said that they had fecal egg counts done on their horses in July, and the vet had said that the horses tested negative, um, but didn't actually give a number to what the horses were shedding. Now, two months later, she said that she can see roundworms in the manure. Uh, does this mean that the original test wasn't accurate? No, not at all. Um, it, it's, hard to, it's hard to know exactly what happened in that situation with, with that limited information. But the, the egg count is a reflection of, of adult worms, uh, adult female worms that are shedding eggs in the feces. And if there's very few there, then they won't be detected in the feces. Um, if the, the worms that were shed out, it, it, uh, if they were big enough that she saw them, then they're either uh, roundworms or pinworms. Uh, pinworm eggs uh, aren't usually seen in feces. Um, and so, so if it was pinworms, then the, the worms get passed out, but, but more than likely eggs would have never been seen anyway. If they were roundworms, um, that would probably only be seen in a young horse, so I don't know how old this horse was, um, but it, those worms could have been immature uh, and, uh, and, not, um, uh, and therefore not shedding any eggs when they were passed out of the host because worms normally aren't passed out uh, unless they're killed or they're, um, by a drug or they're killed because the, the immune system of the horse is kicking them out. Um, and so, so the fact that there's worms there doesn't mean that they were, they were mature females that were, that were capable of shedding eggs. But, uh, but, but without more information, it's hard to give a more precise answer there. Okay. And Dr. Kaplan, following up on this idea of a horse being a negative shedder, uh, we have a question from Mandy in New Jersey. And Mandy wants to know if a fecal egg count is negative, is there any reason to deworm the horse on a regular basis? basis and how often should that horse be rechecked if they're a negative shedder? Okay. Um, that, that's a good question. Um, and it's, it's important that, that that people focus not completely on egg counts. Egg counts are very important. They really give a, um, a window into, into seeing the level of, of uh, an estimate of the of numbers of parasites in the horse and, and the amount of, of, of shedding that's on the pasture, which is going to cause the parasite contamination on the pasture and the risk for reinfection. However, um, the egg count, as I mentioned earlier, really is only a measurement of the small strongyles. So if the egg count is negative, what that means is that the horse has a good immunity to small strongyles, which is really very, very common. In fact, most horses have good immunity to, um, to small strongyles. Probably about 50% about of all adult horses are going to have either negative or very low egg counts. Um, because in, and, and so the parasites are being controlled naturally by the immune system. However, there are other parasites besides the small strongyles, which could be problematic. Um, on occasion. If we never treat a horse because it's always negative, then there's a risk that some of these other parasites, which have gotten uncommon over the years, so we've been really treating horses frequently uh, across the country over many decades, 
what that has done is that many of the parasites that used to be a problem are now very rare. We hardly ever see them. So if we stop treating horses just because they have zero egg counts, these other p parasites could uh, start to cause a problem. Uh, and, in, and in particular, tapeworms, because tapeworm eggs uh, usually are not seen in the feces. Uh, so I do recommend a once-a-year treatment to all horses, uh, regardless of an egg count. So even if a horse has always got a negative egg count, they should, I, I feel that they should always have at least one treatment per year. That treatment will kill bots. That treatment will kill tapeworms. Uh, that treatment will kill some large strongyles that might be around that we're not detecting, plus, you know, pinworms, a lot of other uh, parasites which are not going to be there in large numbers, um, but we want to get rid of nonetheless. So that should be a baseline. Uh, and then additional treatments above that then can be given based upon the horse's need to control their small strongyles. Okay. Um, we have a question for you, Dr. Voris. It's from Lauren in Arkansas, and Lauren wants to know if dewormers can cause laminitis if a pony or a horse were to receive too much in their dosage. Okay. Well, I've, it sounds like Lauren has had a, a bad experience, and I'm definitely uh, sorry to hear that. One of the things I'd like for everybody to, to understand is that dewormers are... Um, approved by the Food and Drug Administration. So the FDA approves equine dewormers, and part of the approval process includes a safety study. And all of the dewormers on the market have had safety studies at the labeled dose, at twice the labeled dose, and at three times the labeled dose. And all of them have been shown to be safe, you know, when administered at, you know, overdoses. Now, I don't advocate giving too much dewormer. I would definitely say let's stick with the dose, but um, as far as clinical con consequence of an accidental overdose, um, we shouldn't see problems. Now, um, that's hard to tell somebody that's had a problem uh, and, and have them, uh, you know, believe that. So there are circumstances that, you know, make this uh, question pretty difficult to answer, but as far as the safety of the dewormer products that are out there, accidental overdoses shouldn't shouldn't cause a problem. Okay, thank you, Dr. Voris. Our next question is for um, Dr. Kaplan, and it's from Karen in Houston, Texas. And Karen said that says that recently a friend told her that she was using diatomaceous earth to eliminate worms in her horses, and. Karen wants to know if there's any validity in using this product. We have another question that was from Leslie in Alabama, and Leslie said she's gone from annual tube worming to rotational over-the-counter worming to, to using diatomaceous earth, and that she's done the fecal egg counts and the horses are low shutters. What are your thoughts on using diatomaceous earth for deworming? Yeah. Uh, I wouldn't recommend it uh, for two reasons. One is that um, it doesn't work in killing parasites. It's been, the diatomaceous earth has been tested um, uh, numerous times in, in different animals, and it never has been shown to have any effect at all on, on, pa on killing parasites. Um, but it brings up a good point that, uh, in this case, that the, uh, this person um, changed from a rotational to a diatomaceous earth strategy and didn't really notice any difference. A horse seemed fine. What, what that brings up the point is that most horses don't need to be dewormed very often. If they don't need to be dewormed, 
and you use something that doesn't work, you're not going to see a problem. Um, and so a lot of people that go that uh, say, oh, I'm, I'm do what I'm doing is, uh, this is kind of a carry-on from this question, but, but uh, people say um, um, that I've never had a problem, so what I'm doing must be working well. That's not a necessarily correct assumption because uh, most horses are doing a very good job controlling their own parasites through their immunity. Uh, and, and so all those extra dewormings you're giving are not necessarily helping your horse uh, however, it could be leading to more drug resistance, which in the long run could be a bad thing for your horse because when the horse then does need an effective dewormer, it's not going to work. Okay. Thank you, Dr. Kaplan. We have a question for Dr. Voris. It came in from Julie in Georgia. And Julie wants to know what is the way to rid your horse, and the is capitalized, the way to rid your horse of insisted strong gels and how can you be sure that the treatment actually worked can you explain what that is first and then how you would recommend treatment okay sure julian thanks for the question um the insisted small strong gel is one of the life stages of the small strong gel so the parasite that we've been talking about that is the most prevalent and and the one of you know really the most concern for adult horses um, the larvae are picked up in the pasture, like uh, Dr. Kaplan said, and as the larvae get passed through the intestinal tract, um, they burrow into the large intestine, and they can basically go dormant uh, in the large intestine, and that's what we refer to as the insisted stage. Now, the problem with the insisted stage is that the conventional dewormers, most of them are ineffective at dealing with the insisted small strongyle. That life stage um, encapsulates itself and it, it makes it kind of untouchable to most of the, the dewormers. Now, there are two deworming protocols that are labeled for the insisted small strongyle and one of them is um, finbendazole, a, a double dose for five consecutive days, and the other one is uh, a single dose of moxidectin. Uh, so those are the two deworming protocols that uh, have labeled efficacy against the insisted small strongyle. Um, the second part of the question is how do you know if it's working? Well, the fecal egg count reduction test is probably going to be your best method, um, as Dr. Kaplan mentioned earlier, in determining uh, an anthelminic's or a dewormer's efficacy. Um, however, you know, these, these worms are going to come back out, you know, into um, return to maturity at various rates and, and start shedding. So even then, it's really hard to tell. The only sure way of determining if the dewormer has worked is to unfortunately look inside your horse. Uh, there's really no great way of determining for sure how well the, the dewormer has worked against that stage unless you, um, you know, cut them open. So yeah. that's not something that we're really going to do to most horses. And Dr. Kaplan, definitely jump in, please. <laughs> yeah, just want to add one, one thing is that um, if, if you check the egg counts two week before and, after, and two weeks after treatment and you didn't see a, a good effect uh, on the adult worms, then you can be rest assured that you haven't done much at all against the insisted worms because the insisted worms are harder to kill. So as a starting point, before you can assume that you have any efficacy against the insisted worms, you would have to have seen a strong high efficacy against the adult worms. Um, and then 
what you could do is you could follow that up. Usually we do those at two weeks when we do the before and after egg counts at two weeks. So if the egg count's low at two weeks, you know you had a good effect against the adults. You, you don't know if you had a good effect against the larvae. Yep. But if you have a bad effect at two weeks where the drug didn't work against the adults, then you can be pretty assured that you did not kill those insisted larvae. You could also come back two more weeks later if you killed insisted larvae, the egg counts, assuming it was effective at two weeks, it should still be very effective at four weeks. If by four weeks you're seeing a, a rapid rise in the, in the egg counts back to near where they were when you treated, then again, you could make the assumption that even though you might have killed the adult worms, you did not kill the insisted worms. Okay. Thank you, Dr. Kaplan. And I have another question for you. This one came in from Linda in North Carolina. Actually, it's a question that was really popular. Uh, what I have in front of me are questions from Linda in North Carolina, Michelle in Michigan, and Christy in Colorado. And they all have to do with uh, the expense of doing fecal egg counts. So why is there an expense to it if, if the industry is promoting doing um, fecal egg counts to deworm our horses or create programs? And the other question that people have is, is this something that I can do myself if I have a microscope? So, Dr. Kaplan, can you address both of those questions? Yeah. Uh, first, uh, expense. Um, well, it, it takes a, uh, some time. Um, and so you have to pay for the cost of, uh, of, of the person who's doing it, for the equipment necessary. You, you, need, um, you need some laboratory equipment, you need a microscope. Um, and so all these things have a cost associated with them, just like any other uh, diagnostic test you would do. Um, so, so, of course, uh, there has to be a charge for that. So, um, so, th so that's why they, they, need to, they need to charge you for, you, for the egg counts. Um, relative to the value of the egg count versus just deworming, um, I'm not, I'm not sure if this was part of the question, but I do know a lot of times people um, say, well, if it's so much cheaper to, do, to treat than to do an egg count, why bother doing the egg count? Well, there's, there's several important reasons. First of all, we know there's a lot of drug resistance. Um, and so if you use a drug that doesn't work, you've just wasted that money that you spent on the drug. Um, and you won't know that unless you check egg counts to make sure that the drug worked. So you've wasted the money on that drug. Secondly, if the horse actually needed a treatment for, its, for the benefit of its health and the drug, was, you had the drug that was, uh, didn't work because the worms were resistant, then you didn't give an effective uh, treatment to that horse, which means you're putting it at risk for being sick. Another thing that happens is that if you give dewormings that aren't necessary, you're going to cause their drug resistance problem to become worse and worse over time so that at some later date, when your horse really needs to be effectively treated, the drug's not going to work. So there's lots of ways to lose money uh, and to have poor and, and to have diminished parasite control by deworming more frequently than you need to be deworming, uh, which in the long run is a greater cost than doing the, um, the fecal egg count. <clears throat> and um, um, what was the second part of that question? Whether, whether or not this is a test that a horse owner could do on their oh, own. Right, right, right. Actually, yeah, this is a, this is a, uh, a test that you can learn to do. Uh, it does take a little bit of practice. You, need to, you would need to have someone show you how to do it. 
Um, but if you if you got a microscope, you bought a microscope and, and you bought the necessary supplies, it is something that you can learn to do. It, it's not really very difficult. It's just a matter of taking the time uh, to learn how to do it. Okay. Thank you, Dr. Kaplan. Our next question is for Dr. Voris, and it's from Eduardo in Peru. And our, Eduardo wants to know when the best time when is the best time to deworm a pregnant mare? And is it okay to deworm her and her foal um, a few days prior to her foaling? So I'm not sure exactly if Eduardo meant the foal after it was born right. as well. But Dr. Boris, okay. you can yeah. address all of that. Absolutely. And thank you, Eduardo, for the question. Um, my answer to that is yes. Uh, I would recommend actually deworming the mare prior to her foaling um, because if you think about where is the foal going to be exposed to parasites, you know, for the first several days of their life or, you know, months, really, it's going to be the dam. And so deworming with a product that is labeled safe for use in pregnant mares uh, is is ideal. And, and my timing recommendation is I would go ahead and, and deworm at the time that you're doing the 10-month the vaccinations to, you know, boost the immunity of the colostrum, um, that, you know, is, is just pretty easy just to go ahead and, you know, vaccinate and deworm at that time. As With regard to the foal, um, you know, everything that we've really talked about today with doing fecal egg counts and, and the small strongyle is really geared toward the adult horse. And foals um, are a special circumstance. Foals, weanlings, and yearlings um, are at much higher risk for a different parasite than the adults, and that's the roundworm. And Dr. Kaplan briefly mentioned it earlier um, that you know, the roundworm is a much larger parasite, and the life cycle of that parasite uh, causes a lot more damage than the small strongyle does. And as a horse ages, uh, they tend to develop a, a higher immunity against that parasite, so infection um, diminishes with age uh, with the, the roundworm, but during the, the foal's early days and months and years, it's very important that we stay on top of parasite control for those foals. So beginning at about two months of age, um, begin deworming uh, with a dewormer that's effective against the roundworm. And uh, it's important to talk to your veterinarian about which um, dewormers are most effective. There's been a lot of resistance to the macrocyclic lactone class shown, um, and that's, you know, members of the, that family are ivermectin and moxidectin. You don't really, that's not the ideal um, dewormer for this age group. Um, but basically you're looking at at least four dewormings the first year of that horse's life are, are highly recommended. Okay. And we're down to just um, five minutes left in tonight's live event. Um, Dr. Kaplan, I have a question for you uh, from Stella in Eden, Texas. And Stella wants someone to address the pros and cons of using a daily dewormer, um, a feed-through dewormer. Dr. Kaplan, do you have any thoughts on that? Um, yes. Uh, uh, daily dewormers... Um, basically, we all, there's only one dewormer that's sold the daily dewormer. That would be uh, uh, Pyrantel Pamoate, which most com the most common brand name is Strongid, but there are other some other uh, generic products available. Um, using a daily dewormer can be very advantageous. 
but it's not something I would recommend in all circumstances. So, so some, so for instance, I would not recommend that you that a whole stable of horses be put on a daily dewormer. Um, it's it's expensive. Um, it's going to probably lead to drug resistance, and and it's unnecessary. However, uh, where you have a particular horse that has that's a chronic high shedder that seems to be a problem um, keeping its egg counts down, that would be a good candidate. For, for using daily warmer, if you have some young horses that uh, that, that that might be at risk for roundworms uh, um, or or for strongyles uh, mixed in with some other horses, you could you could put maybe some of the young horses on it. Uh, another another uh, time that it could be very advisable to use a daily dewormer is if your horse is stabled. Uh, this gets back to a previous question um, uh, that that was asked that that you have your horse. Um, and, and, but you, that you're doing egg counts, you're trying to do the right thing, but then there's other horses in the stable, they're not doing egg counts, they're not checking to see if the drugs are working, they're just rotating. So if you're concerned that, that there may be a poor parasite control program on the farm because other horses are not getting dewormed properly, um, or if this, or the pasturing situation is such that there's a, there's a very high stocking density and you're worried about high worm transmission, that would be a situation where you could, protect your horse by putting them on the daily dewormer and then you don't have to worry about everyone else is doing, you're protecting your horse. The one caveat that I would suggest though is that if you're relying on the daily dewormer that you make sure that the drug actually works. So the drug, as I mentioned, in the daily dewormer is pyrantelpamoate, which also comes in a paste form. So before I switch to a daily dewormer, uh, I would always recommend testing it on the horse using a full dose of the pasty warmer to make sure that you're getting more than 90% reduction uh, in the egg counts because there is um, uh, you know, a good amount of resistance to, to all of the worms. Um, um, and so, again, for the, for the, for the pyrantel, the strongid, and others, um, there is resistance, so you want to check to make sure it's effective uh, on the worms in that horse and on that farm before you relied on it for the daily dewormer. Okay. Thank you, Dr. Kaplan. And Dr. Voris, I have a question for you from PJ in California who's listening live and we actually received a lot of questions like PJ's uh, and it's referring to horses that you don't know the deworming history of the animal or maybe the horse is a rescue horse uh, that you are suspecting it has a high worm load and so PJ is wondering if it's dangerous to deworm with an aggressive deworming product on a horse that could have a high worm load or one that you don't know its history. Should you start with a less effective dewormer and lower the load first to not overload or possibly colic the horse? You know, that's a, a really tough question to answer uh, with certainty just based on that. Um, I think a lot of factors go into it. Uh, if it's a young horse, then yeah, probably the um, the products that would be considered less effective would be a good idea and mainly because um, you know especially with regard to the benzimidazoles they have a little bit different mode of action to kill the parasite so they tend to um, not cause a spastic paralysis and 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 if the horse does have a heavy adult worm population it might be a you know quote unquote gentler way to to start the problem that we run into, and I know we're running out of time, but the problem that we run into with that is that we're not doing anything against the larval stages. And if we depopulate the adult load and all of the larval stages, the insisted stages, come out 
all at once to repopulate, then we can run into problems there as well. So it's kind of one of those questions that definitely uh, talk to your veterinarian, talk at the local level, someone who has all of the facts sitting there in front of them that can examine the horse and, and know what they're getting into before you treat the horse. Okay. Thank you, Dr. Voris. I have one more question I'm going to try to sneak in before the end here, and that has to do with senior horses because we've got lots of questions about uh, deworming older horses. Dr. Voris, do you deworm them any differently than you do uh, an average adult horse? The answer, the short answer to that is as long as the old horse is healthy, then the deworming needs of that horse shouldn't be much different than the average horse. Now, the caveat to that is we know that as a horse ages, chronic illnesses become much more prevalent. Um, you know, Cushing's disease is one in particular that we know that 15% of horses have Cushing's disease at some level, whether it's clinical or subclinical, 15% um, of horses above 15 years of age. So as a horse ages, you know, some of these chronic conditions uh, start to pop up and the... Um, Research has shown that, you know, with with illness, we do have higher egg counts and faster return to shedding. So I think, you know, you got to really kind of weigh that out and really thoroughly judge, is my older horse a healthy, healthy horse? And if not, then we probably do need to increase the deworming frequency for our geriatric um, horses. Okay. Well, thank you, Dr. Voris, and I think you were right in the beginning when you said we could have gone for at least two hours on this topic. Um, yeah, unfortunately, <laughs> Yeah, unfortunately, <laughs> unfortunately, this is the end of our hour. Before we close, I want to ask each of you what the one most important takeaway that you would like the horse owners who are listening to take home and apply to their horses and, and the management of their horses and their deworming programs. I'm going to start with you, Dr. Kaplan. What's that one takeaway you want to make sure everyone gets? I would say that that in general, there's uh, um, a fear of parasites that's a little bit greater than the reality, and it's based upon years ago with, with the bloodworms, which were really nasty parasites that caused lots of colic. Um, we've gotten rid of those for the most part. So the, the parasites that horses have now um, mostly are not that horrible. Um, and so most horses do pretty well with, um, without very frequent deworming. So there's no need to feel like if you're not deworming your horse constantly that somehow you're doing something wrong or you're, you're neglecting your horse. It's really, it's not really needed to deworm your horse that frequently. And then, and then one last thing was that we really want to focus on, to, on thinking about parasite control as a more holistic system of the farm rather than a deworming program, which is relying solely on a chemical to control parasites. And so really pay attention to the environment, to the fecal contamination, to the, to the pastures and so forth. And if you do those things, uh, you'll have healthy horses and you won't need to deworm very often. Okay. Thank you, Dr. Kaplan. Dr. Voris, your closing thoughts? I think my closing thoughts would revolve around, um, you know, this this show series is called Ask the Expert, right? And, um, and Dr. Kaplan is for sure the expert, um, but I just speak for the average practitioner. And the true expert is your local veterinarian. And, um, you know, the amount of information that, that we get over the phone um, from submitted questions is pretty limited compared to the amount of uh, information a veterinarian can get when he's actually able to see 
touch and, um, you know, get an assessment of your horse. So get your local veterinarian involved, um, uh, communicate with them, let them know that, you know, your concerns and that you would like for their, you know, advice. They spent a lot of time learning parasitology in school and uh, in most cases are very, very willing to help you out and, and um, do what's right for your horse. Okay. Well, thank you, Dr. Kaplan and Dr. Voris, for joining us and tackling these questions uh, for our audience. I want to thank everyone who's listening live and everyone who will be listening to this as an archived podcast. You'll be able to find this broadcast tomorrow uh, online, so if you want to listen to it again, go to thehorse.com. It will be up there. Uh, we also want to thank our sponsor, Zoetis, for bringing this event to everyone for free tonight. Uh, if you have any questions about your your horse's health, you can get on thehorse.com and do a search. We have thousands of articles and resources. And as Dr. Voris says, said, uh, your vet is an, also an excellent resource for figuring this stuff out. Thank you, everyone, for listening, and I hope you join us next time. <laughs>